The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Astros Baseball is brought to you by Ram Shirts. Ram Shirts offers custom printed and embroidered apparel. They offer direct-to-garment printing for small runs and screen printing for larger runs. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Ram Shirts. Go to RamShirts.com for all your custom apparel needs. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan for the fans of the Houston Astros. Here's your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Joining me today is the brand new manager of the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, Joe Fawn. Joe, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Rob. Thank you for having me. And uh, first of all, congratulations. It's pretty exciting. It's got to be pretty exciting for you. No, yeah, it's very exciting. Very uh, anxious to start the season and, uh, you know, very, uh, very fortunate to be in this position. You were with the Woodpeckers last year, right, as a, as a different position? Yeah, last year I was uh, the development coach with, uh, with uh, the Woodpeckers last season. So you will be also joined, um, our good buddy here in town, Jose Puentes, who I guess he was the hitting coordinator or something over there in Florida. He'll be joining you guys too, so you're, you're going to have a really good hitting coach. Yeah, we have a fantastic staff. Um, uh, Puentes, he uh, he ran basically the uh, complex uh, hitting guys over there, and he did he did a great job. And we love him, the organization, the the, the players love him, and yeah, I'm really excited to have him on. And also, you will probably have my friend's son, Rhett Koba, who's been on the podcast. Yeah, Koba, we had him at the tail end of the season last year after the draft. And, uh, you know, he opened some eyes, did really well with us. Uh, hell of a pitcher. So I'm excited to see him throughout the or for his uh, career. Yeah, he was kind of picked late. So that could be a hidden gem, you know, that people didn't know about. For sure, yeah. Usually, I mean, you know how baseball is. Um, where you get picked is sometimes doesn't really reflect on what happens in your career. And uh, as long as you're in the organization, it's a uh, – you know, you're in the organization. You can uh, make your own uh, destiny. So let's go back to your career. You played a little baseball in your time. 
you were drafted by the Blue Jays back in 2010 yeah. and uh, played some ball in Puerto Rico and you're fluent in Spanish. Did you pick up Spanish playing ball over there? So I grew up in Puerto Rico. So even though I, I'm very white, a lot of people will get confused by, uh, <laughs> by me speaking Spanish, which is, I mean, it's understandable. Uh, but I grew up in Puerto Rico, um, a little bit of Houston, mostly in Puerto Rico. And uh, yeah, just grew up bilingual. So it's one of the things I kind of just uh, had since I was little. So you grew up in Houston because of your father, Mr. Uh, Dickie Thon? Yeah, so dad, um, so dad retired in 94 and we stayed in Houston for a little bit. And uh, yeah, so like Houston is like a second home to us. Um, it's, you know, we love it there. The people there are fantastic. They've, they've treated us, um, I mean, there's nothing, there's, they've been great to us as a family. We have, uh, you know, extended family, I guess you can call it with the cruises over there because they're basically, you know, uncles and uh, cousins to me. So uh, it's, it's been very nice over there as well. Is that what got you to uh, attend the University of Houston? Yeah, after I was done playing in 17, um, I was kind of looking for, you know, just getting a degree and kind of get that part of my life together. Um, I just signed out of high school, so I didn't go to college yet. I was going to go to the University of uh, Rice University, um, but I played. So I, uh, yeah, once I got done playing, I, I decided to try to pursue a degree on that in the University of Houston. So how did you how did you get into coaching? What were you going to school for? So I was actually I didn't go to school for baseball at all. I was just trying to get a degree and uh, spoke with Todd Whitting, uh, the head coach there, and we kind of just decided for me to go help out, um, just to go practice and do whatnot. And uh, I wasn't really thinking about coaching at all, and um, kind of got the bug of being in the field again and. Uh, Everything kind of went really well. The volunteer assistant left that same fall season. He wanted me to take it. And he kind of, you know, just went or really went. I had a great, fantastic uh, experience there. And uh, kind of just been, the ball's been rolling ever since then. It's been kind of being quick. Yeah. Was that 2019? I think that's what I read. Yeah, 2019. 2019 and 2022, you're already the head coach. Of a minor league base. I mean, the manager, sorry, the manager. Yeah. That's, that's, that is fast. That's pretty fast. It, I've, I've been uh, fortunate to be have people around me that trust me. Um, you know, it's, it's a responsibility that you're in charge of all these, uh, these young players. And, um, you know, I, this is something you always, ever since I started coaching, probably at 19. So, you know what? This is something I, I see myself doing. Um, but no, it's, it's been going by pretty quickly. And uh, I've been, you know, very lucky to have people guide me and help me throughout the process. Was there another step in between the University of Houston and uh, coaching in the Astros minor league system? So I was in the middle of the 2021 season, not really, it kind of as the first, uh, first third of the college season. And I get a call from uh, Jason Bell, our uh, coordinator, and kind of spoke a little bit. And they wanted me to be the development coach at Fayetteville, and kind of it was a good situation. Um, I've I've known all my life being in pro ball, so it's something I've always kind of been accustomed to. And uh, it's been uh, I've been here ever since. 
So we've seen that a lot as fans, you know, development coach. What 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 actually is a development coach? Well, it varies. You know, every development coach has their own expertise and has it brings their own, you know, uh, part of the game that they're known for. Um, I was helping out a lot with the hitters and uh, infielders, uh, base running. It's mostly you know the extra coach to help out the uh, day-to-day tasks. Uh, you help the manager out. You're basically his bench coach and trying to make things easier for the whole staff. So um, my experience as a development coach might be different from every other one in the organization because they were hired for a specific reason, um, kind of to mesh with the staff that they're in. And um, but that was my specific uh, responsibilities. So how did you let okay, the season's over, you go into the off season. When do you find out that you're the new manager? Did you just find that out? I found out um, we were in Instructs, Instructional League, um, right before playoffs start. So right, we went to Instructs right probably a couple of days after the season to get it in before uh, the playoffs began because our most of our coordinators were going to have to go to help out with the taxi squad. Um, but I found out maybe like the last week of Instructs back in uh, October, I believe. Um, and yeah, I've, you know, they told me the, if I was interested, they wanted me to do uh, be the manager in Fayetteville. And uh, of course I accepted, uh, it was, you know, I can't imagine it was a great, uh, great thing to hear from them. Yeah, did you see that coming at all? Uh, not really. Uh, I know a lot of uh, my friends and uh, coaching staff, they did. Um, I didn't, I try to kind of keep a, short-term thought and goals, you know, but nothing long-term, so to speak. Uh, maybe that's the uh, baseball, you know, minor league baseball life in me. You just kind of try to go day by day and try to do what you can. Um, I I didn't expect it. Uh, I just, you know, I'm, I love the organization and what they've done for me. And just, and this is another thing for them to install that responsibility towards me. So when you first got the job, in Fayetteville, I'm assuming you moved over there. So what happened was usually um, most coaches move after spring training. Um, it kind of just aligned perfectly because I uh, my lease was done in uh, Houston, and we just decided to kind of go to Fayetteville, me and my fiance. Um, and we'll uh, we've been we're in Fayetteville right now, preparing for the season. I'll head back to spring training uh, in a couple of days, actually, and the tenth. And, uh, but yeah, usually it's after spring training, but we just had a situation that kind of aligned perfectly for that. So what is it like for the minor leaguers knowing at least at this point that you're going to be the only show in town? (laughs) Um, We'll see. I mean, and luckily in Fayetteville, it's a, it's a great uh, town, a lot of fans and we have Fort Bragg here. So we get a lot of military support. Uh, These guys come to the game and, um, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see if there's uh, any, uh, you know, direct correlation of people, a lot more people going to the games or attending. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'd assume more people would be interested in going to the minor league games if uh, that would be the case. Yeah, well, I would even assume you guys may get some TV time because I guess during COVID, there was no baseball. And I, I myself, personally, I was watching the KBO and I was sort of into it, but as soon as Major League Baseball started, that that ended. 
<laughs> for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, a lot of these guys, uh, it's the first experience playing under the lights. And uh, sometimes the first time we're playing on being, you know, in the TV. So it, it'd be good for them if that were the case, if they put the games on TV like that. All right. So let me ask you this as a coach. So there's this video going around. And the kid, I don't know what level it is. I seen a, I saw a sign out in left field that said Notre Dame. But, you know, that could be a high school. I, I really can't tell, but I know they're young kids. And the guy just hammers a home run over the right field fence. He's a lefty. And he just stares it down and walks slowly, carries the bat, all probably 90% of the way to first base before he throws it up in the air, kind of pounds his chest, which I'm okay with. But I know a lot of people say, let the kids play, because baseball has to be fun. We need to draw fans, and I agree with that. But I think that kid took it a little too far. I don't think he deserves a fastball to the ribs in his next plate appearance, but what, what do you think? What, where's the thin line between let the kids play and going over the top. Yeah, like you said, it's a fine line. Um, uh, where I come from in Latin America, like they, uh, you know, the Caribbean, they enjoy the game a lot. So you see a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, emotion, a lot of celebrations, and uh, that's something I've enjoyed. But there usually there's some context to it. I don't know the uh, the coaches there. I don't know the kids' situation. Um, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, I've always consider you have to have a certain you know line of respect for your opponent because you're trying to beat him you know you don't want to like show him up you know there's some situations that call for a little bit of extra but uh yeah it, it, there's always a fine line so I, I don't know exactly what was going on there i'm sure if the you know the kid tries to do it again somebody might tell him something but I guess that's up to the coach. That's his responsibility. That's it's not really my place to tell uh, another player what to do if he's not on my squad. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't thinking about it till you kind of said the word situation. You know, we don't know if in that video that those two teams may be, you know, cross city rivals. There could be bad blood for something the other team did because the you know the pitcher he didn't look upset. But what do you think about? Uh, pitchers doing some kind of celebration. I know when pitchers talk trash, at least in Major League Baseball, they talk trash to the to the hitters. You know, like go sit down or whatever. The 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 hitter gets pretty upset about it. Yeah, I think it's just uh, in this day and age, it's highlighted a little bit more because people are all aware. Um, because it's happened throughout, you know, throughout every. Uh, decade of MLB baseball or it's happened a lot, but now people are a little bit more aware and it doesn't happen as often as people think, but uh, most of the times there's, there's some situations, there's some backstory behind it, or, you know, it's a tight game, a playoff game sometimes, or, you know, there's some res emotional responses, but you, you tend to see at least in professional level in major league baseball, that there's a line of respect because the, everybody knows that they're trying to win. There's a lot of, on the line um but it is a fine line between showing up your opponent and uh, showing emotion for the situation of the game 
All right, so let's go to Florida. You're getting ready to go there in a few days. What's the schedule like for you as a coach? I know you have to go watch the players, help develop the players. And being, I guess, being in Fayetteville, that's the beginning, you know, the the low A. So you pretty, I mean, your team's pretty much given to you, right? You have, you really don't have a say so in who gets to be on your team. Uh, here and there, there might be situations that they ask for my, you know, my call or they wanted to ask my, you know, my opinion, which guy I want to take and whatnot. Um, cases here and there, but in spring training, uh, it's mostly preparation for the guys, you know, physically, mentally, trying to prepare for the whole season. I believe they have a couple more games, 10, 12 more games than the regular season was accustomed to. Things like 132 now. So, and it's the first step for most of these guys' career in professional baseball. So they, uh, they're learning how to play. They're learning how to sustain their body and their mind to play a lot of games. So it's a, there's a lot of learning. There's a lot of failure that they have to overcome themselves. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's a very different type of coaching from high A or double A or triple A. But, uh, you know, they're still professionals. So it's just a little slightly different way of uh, encountering the players. Have you ever had a situation where you're trying to instruct a young player and he just kind of doesn't want to listen to you because he thinks he's right? <laughs> I mean, not, the, well, it's not necessarily <laughs> if I'm right or wrong. Well, at least from what I've always kind of adhered to is that we're giving the guys options. You know, it's their career. Um, they decide what to do with it. We're here to try to give them the best options or the best uh, way to go about things. Because um, at the end of the day, they are playing alone. In the box, they're alone. Defensively, they're alone. So they are their best coach. As, as a coach, I'm just trying to give them options and prepare them in a way. It's not necessarily if I'm right or wrong. I'm very well be wrong. You know, it, it, right. it happens all the time. So it's um, not necessarily. Guys, you know, if you talk to them honestly, you have a relationship with them, it's a conversation, and um, we, we come up with the best strategy available. So let's go back to when you were in minor leagues and you you went to training camp. What's, is there any difference in the way it used to be and the way it is now? Oh, I mean, there's always differences. Um, now, I mean, the Astros do things differently than I was with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays and the Cardinals. Um, it's just every organization has their own specific way of doing things. Um, but it's mostly, um, you know, physical preparation, trying to get as many reps as you can in, in a correct manner, um, get the guys prepared, really. Um, maybe the, the, the analysis and the measurements that we, we take for the players and, um, you know, the trackman, the Hawkeye available. So we have a different way of measuring certain things and we have, you know, just kind of monitor those measurements for them just to make sure things are okay and you know, stuff like that. I'd say probably on that side is a little different, but uh, spring trainings, man, I've had a couple spring trainings since 2010. So um, they are all very similar, you know, it's prepare yourself for the season, get ready because uh, the season's long. So whatever you do in the off season and spring training is uh, at least physically will get you ready for the, the season. So how was life as a minor leaguer? I, 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 I was going to say back in your day, but it's 2010. 
it's not like it was the 80s <laughs> <laughs> but, no yeah but, no, I, I remember my dad giving me stories how they had to go about things you know it's very different times um even now even now our guys are treated a little different um the game has changed a little bit they, they're taken care of for the you know rightfully so um i was very lucky enough to be a bonus baby that i could take care of myself but i i you know i would sleep sometimes in a room with four guys and or you know just you're eating the same junk food for a while because there's nothing available um so it's just like things are a little bit different um, i know guys who just had to play uh work all off season just to make ends meet um i played all off season i was fortunate my job in off season was playing um but no i mean there's certain, certain things that are the same and the same baseball hasn't really changed much um certain things here and there like they take care of the food they at least the Astros have done a fantastic thing of taking care of them and the housing. I can't thank the Astros enough for that because that is absolutely enormous for the guys, you know, just stressfully looking for places. And, uh, you know, they, they take care good, good care of the guys here. So when did you start playing baseball? I know you grew up with your dad playing professional baseball with the Astros. But when did you, I mean, it was just something you knew you were going to do. Man, I don't know. That's a good question. I really don't know when it actually began. Ever since I can remember, you're just playing playing ball um, yeah. and just being around the game for such a long time, even though I'm young. It's just kind of just always been around. Um, I have a bunch of baseball uncles, really. Just like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I've always been playing. And I never really thought I was going to play professional baseball. Um, it, you know, it's just, I know my dad was kind of prepping me to go play college once I was like a junior because there was interest in high school. Um, but I think I was ignorant and blissfully ignorant enough to like kind of just play, enjoy. <clears throat> but I really wasn't thinking about playing professional baseball. I kind of just became a little real, I guess you can say, when you became a senior in high school and that whole you know situation start to pop up. But um, I was kind of lucky enough to be ignorant enough of the whole thing. Was there any added pressure on you? I mean, obviously the kids you went to school with probably knew you had a major league baseball father. Um, what's funny is in I played baseball in a different place than uh, where I went to high school with in Puerto Rico. Right when I grew up, it was kind of town baseball, so I played in a different area. And Puerto Rico is such a small island that there's so many former big leaguers that live still there. And they're all around. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of good baseball instruction everywhere. Um, there's really good baseball and all sorts, all parts of, this, of the island. Um, the added pressure, I mean, there's practicing with my dad was a lot more pressure than playing because he was very demanding. But and then when the game would happen, he was let you play. So it was, you kind of, I always grew up like your practice was like very demanding. And then the game, you used to what? Go at it, you know? have fun, do your best. So I was, I was kind of lucky enough to have like that mindset of, you know, your preparation, your practice, you know, work your butt off. But then in the game, you know, just do what you can do because there's nothing really you can control. So, um, yeah, of course, having my dad around, like, I guess you can call it a little bit added pressure, but it wasn't really like a pressure of like, you have to play baseball or you have to be good. No, it was just like, it just happened to be that way. Yeah. I just meant like from your peers, like, come on, this guy should be better. His dad's a 
You know what I mean? Like, you have oh, to not pedigree. at all. Yeah, not, no, at, all, not at all. Not at all. Like, man, there's a lot of there's a lot of good baseball players back home too. So it's like the competition is great. Um, so like, there's good baseball guys everywhere. So what was it like being friends with you? I mean, was there benefits of what, what ages were you when your dad was with the Astros? Oh man. So I was born 91 and I believe dad was, uh, mid to late eighties of that kind of, uh, those decades that he was with, uh, the Astros uh, and he retired in 94. So I barely had any, like, uh, if not any recollection of that. Right. So, um, oh, okay. so yeah, I was, I had dad and through my childhood the whole time. Um, and you know, it's just, it was dad. You just you go to the field with him, play with him every day, kind of thing. It was normal. Um, and then you kind of just realizing who he was you're like, Oh yeah, he was actually really good. Yeah. So it's like, well, that realization was probably later in life. Yeah. it's just like how you said, uh, Jose Cruz is like a, uncle to you like most yeah. people would freak out like oh my god that's jose cruz but you know you're just like hey uncle jose how's it going yes literally like <laughs> they would we, they would go to their house all the time um jose enrique cruz his son uh, cheito his uh who's coaching rice right now like that whole group uh chakita his uh his daughter so it's like they're always around so they're like family friends so it's like that was like our cousins so was y'all, did you and your dad have the first name? The Is your first names the same? Is it Richard? Yeah, me and my dad's names are Richard, yeah. We, I mean, nobody really calls us Richard. <laughs> so I, I thought of this on the way home. With me. If my name was Richard, because I always tell people this at work, because we have our names on our hard helmets. And I said, if my name was Richard, there's no doubt that I would go by Dick. <laughs> you know like as a kid i you know how when i was a kid i was like why is his name dick you know that's like that's like a it's a bad word but you know the name dicky is just so cool like why wouldn't you want to go by dicky if your name was richard um i i don't know it's just uh i think everybody knew dicky as my <laughs> it was yeah. just everybody everybody knew dicky as dad so and there's like my my name was kind of dicky joe and they just dropped the dicky because everybody knew dicky's dad so he's called me joe yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Nobody really calls us uh, Richard. Yeah. And it's funny when I started playing uh, in the minors. The the older the coach, the highly the possibility he would just call me Dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the same thing every single time. It was really funny. So usually, like, I had an uncle named AJ, and then I had a cousin named Little AJ. So they can't really do that with your name because they're. they're, they're, they're the real one would be Little Richard, and the other one, we won't say that. Yeah, you probably set up your kid for a tough time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's what? What do you? Uh, what's your future plans? You, you want to make it all the way to big leagues as a manager, or however you can get there? Or, I mean, what do you? Yeah, what do you see in the I future? mean, I, I think that's all uh, professional. Uh, minor league coaches, you know, goal to make it to the big league staff. Um, but like I've said before, I try not to think too much ahead. I think it's pretty obvious that most, uh, I think, you know, your ambitions is to be in a big league staff uh, um, and then kind of work your way to the pinnacle of the profession because that's the top of the top. The game's the best. Uh, the pressures are real, you know, a lot on the line. So that's probably like the goal. But 
I think short term, just kind of like help out the guys as much as you can here. Um, do what you can. I think it's worked out for me just to kind of focus where I'm at and just help out any way I can with uh, the coaching staff, the players, uh, anybody involved with the guys' development. Just uh, kind of go by there because if I start thinking too much ahead, yeah. I kind of lose track of what I'm doing with the guys right now. So, you know, my responsibility, responsibility right now are, are my guys right here. Yeah, so with you, every level you move up is going to be a different way of coaching. Because sure. now you're you're going to have the the greenest guys out of everyone. Yeah, and then and then you get to the major leagues and you're coaching people making thirty one million dollars a year and stuff. Yeah, you know, grown men they have their families, uh, they're well off guys who've been in the game for a while. Um, so it's like it's a different way of instruction, different way of teaching. The, all the guys in the big leagues know what they're doing. You know, they're doing something right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just different levels of teaching, different ways of preparing guys. Um, yeah. So it's just, there's just slightly different, uh, strategies involved each one. All right, Joe, that's all I have. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me so much. So anyone listening on, uh, that has Twitter, what is it? Fawn Joe? I don't know. I really don't. Let me check. I don't either. It's kind of, I think it's backwards. (laughs) I yeah I actually opened the Twitter just uh, for when I was at University of Houston, and oh. then I've had it ever since. Sounds like I might as well keep it. Um, it's at Thon Joe. There you go, at there Thon go. Joe. Yeah. Now, now that you're a manager, you have to you have to be uh, you have to be what do you call it uh, active. You have to be active on Twitter so we can I, I keep do, up I with do. you. I do need to get a little bit better on that. I'm not really uh, active on uh, social media and Twitter. I yeah. just uh, I have I have a hard time writing things there. I just you know I'm pretty private. If you call me, or if you ask me to be on, you know, and talk about, it, I'm always you know happy to yeah. talk. But you, for some reason, find it, find it kind of weird to express yourself just uh, just sure. there, you know. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it and. Thanks to everyone out there for listening, and we'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when there's a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.